0: Welcome to The Picture of Wealth, a podcast all about living more of your life now, yet being responsible for your future. Lifestyle experimenter, wealth scientist, and financial coach Dustin Service shares life hacks, wealth tips, and interviews successful entrepreneurs on how they're thriving in happiness, purpose, and prosperity. Welcome to episode number 24. I am your host, Dustin Service. And today my guest is Megan O'Mara of HM Commercial Group. She specializes in buying and selling real estate and uh, most specifically commercial real estate. And uh, we dive into leasing, what it means to be the the tenant and what it means to be the owner of the property, leasing to somebody else. So what those key markers are to ensure success in the future. But more, more interestingly to me, We had a great open conversation about a number of different things from, you know, owning a boat to, you know, what that boat has meant for her mindset and helped her find balance to what that led to in her professional life after getting the boat, which, you know, I'm a lifestyle guy, but I'm also responsible and and like to make good decisions for the future and and making sure we're not just living uh, fancy free and footloose and not paying attention to our numbers and our financial situation in the future. We definitely go there in this podcast. I'm excited. Let's get into it. I'm excited to uh, introduce this guest today. Uh, I've known her for a long time. Megan O'Mara of HM Commercial Group. And she is a longtime uh, Kelowna sort of entrepreneur, well, sort of, you are, uh, you know, working on the executive team of the, the largest commercial real estate group in in what is it the Okanagan or the mainland or uh, what would you say?
1: Uh, we're definitely I don't know if I'd call us the biggest or the main one, but we're one of the leading groups in the interior of BC on the commercial real estate front.
0: Awesome. Well, it's uh, it's the theme of this month's uh, series uh, is real estate and uh, specifically on all the sort of professionals that go along with real estate. So commercial leasing is what you are an expert in and negotiating and finding the right fit for the right client. And that's going to be something we're going to get into. But I have a few intro, intro things first. So born and raised in Whistler, uh, mm-hmm. this, this podcast is about lifestyle. And again, our mantra is helping people live more of their life now yet being responsible for their future. So paint me a picture of how the Whistler lifestyle fits with the Kelowna lifestyle.
1: Oh, lifestyle in Whistler. I mean, growing up in Whistler, I didn't really see it the way most people would see it because I was a young child. And uh, I mean, I was uh, born there. Well, not born there. I was born in North Vancouver because Whistler didn't have a hospital at the time I was born. (laughs) But I was just a little tyke and growing up in one of the grassroots neighborhoods of Whistler called uh, Tapley's Farm. And it was a wonderful way to grow up. Um, But as far as I knew it, Whistler was just home and then moved away in uh, grade six. Yeah, grade six and moved to the Okanagan, then uh, landed first in Penticton And at the time, I was actually quite thankful because Whistler was a bit of a bubble. And if you weren't a super diehard skier, uh, there wasn't really a whole heck of a lot there at that time. So moving to Penticton allowed me to broaden my horizons as far as interests and activities and just exposure to more of a real world sort of environment.
0: Well, that's... uh that leads to sort of, uh, your lifestyle now. And again, we're going to get into that later, but, uh, you know, I, I want to know another couple, I'm rapid firing you right out of the gate. Uh, just cause I, I, I looked up a, a couple things on you, which I was very intrigued by. Why would you name your boat? Or what was the, uh, the thought of naming your boat champagne showers?
1: Well, actually, I don't know. You might have seen that from an old Instagram post or something.
0: No, it was on the Kelowna Now post. It was in focus. So it said, if I owned a boat, you know, what would would I name it? Uh,
1: Champagne showers. Well, that's funny because we actually ended up naming the boat Time Well Wasted. (laughs) And the reason we did that was... Um, you know, I think we live in a society of hustle culture and always being busy. And, you know, in order to be successful, you have to be working all the time. So it was a bit defiant to that. Um, also a song that we listen to a lot of times about uh, getting wasted in California, which is kind of a different story. Um, but Champagne Showers, back in the day, it was a girlfriend of mine. We always used to talk about Champagne Showers as far as our big dreams and goals and lifestyle and so, at the time I would have spoken to that in that Kelowna Now article, I would have had no idea that this would actually become a reality. So that's really actually funny that you dug that up.
0: <laughs> well, I just again knowing uh, you know your partner and your significant other and and how important that boat is you know to your program. Again, we're we're all um, you know as business people, you're you're prudent with your money and you want to make the right choice and you know the boat that you guys ended up buying you know at one point maybe you thought it was a stretch but really how how important is that now or how woven into your your life is that 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 i keep calling a program but it's it's and i don't really call it a thing like it is a material thing but knowing how much you use it help help us understand how important that was
1: yeah, I, I understand why you're hesitating to call it a thing. Um, you know, and to be clear, uh, the concept of abundance and spending money hasn't always come easy to me. Um, my hardwiring tells me to save and uh, save beyond what's reasonable, quite frankly. Um, and that's a personal uh, thing that I will—it'll always be a part of me. So it's a bit of a deviation from my natural tendencies to do things like purchase boats. And, uh, you know, I think it's a huge part of our program. And I remember Ben and I were sitting at Central and we had been talking about buying a wakeboard boat, actually. And uh, it was kind of still in a bit of the dreaming phase. And at that point, I actually didn't think that we were going to pull the trigger. And then I said to him, I said, why don't we consider a cabin cruiser boat, something where we could have this whole other lifestyle and bring our dogs and have barbecues and go camping and sleep over and really lean into that Okanagan lifestyle and have a getaway right, you know, outside our our front door, basically, because it was a five-minute bike ride from our house to the marina. We didn't think that it was going to be within our means. And then we found, or within our comfort, I should say. And then we did some research and we, uh, you know, we found the boat that we ended up buying. And I think that was a huge transition point for both of us, and just enjoying the fruits of our labor. And it also brought us together as a couple because you knowing Ben, I mean, he's a man that likes to uh, stay busy. He likes to tinker around. He's got that mechanic mind, and it's been really (laughs) cool to see him exercise all those skills. And so I certainly wouldn't have been able to do it without him. We make a really good team, and it just brings us so much joy. I can't imagine not having it at this point.
0: Yeah. And uh and I what a good time to have it last year with COVID and not being allowed to do very much you uh you were able to get it uh get it used and uh you know I I you know International Women's Day yesterday uh was uh you know it came and went but that's uh that leads me to sort of my next question of you know building a career um you know, in, in some in something that maybe uh people told you that it was impossible. Or you know, I, I did I did do some research that thirty-six percent of commercial uh leasing agents are women. So hmm. uh you know, a fairly male dominated uh industry, which again, your your accomplishments to date uh gender doesn't matter. But I I, I, I pulled that out of like you know, did anyone ever come up against you and say, you know, why are you going to that industry? You should go into a different industry, or what about this? Or, you know, you know, do you have anything to, to comment on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I mean, first of all, it is a reality, one that I don't spend a lot of time focusing on, but I'm actually surprised to hear that it's 30 plus percent women. I would have thought it might even be a little bit less than that. That could have I, been
0: the US. I don't know. I, uh, I just Googled it.
1: Yeah, you know, and all the time we have new amazing women coming into the business, which is really exciting. And uh, even here in the Okanagan, where that wasn't the case for quite some time. But, um, you know, I definitely had a lot of support from my family, uh, specifically my father, who uh, was a a contractor in Whistler. And, you know, I think he saw that uh, I was capable of taking it on. Uh, But when I came, I I graduated from VCIT. I took a commercial real estate program. And when I came to Kelowna, I I do remember quite a few times telling people what my plans were and literally seeing the look in their eyes like, oh, my goodness, girl, like that's not going to (laughs) work. And keep in mind, you know, 2009, the sky had just fallen in 2007 and 2008. The market was in the tank. Uh, You know, Kelowna was not near the market that it is today and specifically commercial real estate. Um, you know, it was predominantly more senior men running the show, but I'm happy to say, you know, for any girls who might listen to your podcast that, um, I really just put my head down and didn't take no for an answer. And I honestly think (laughs) being a little bit naive helped me in the sense of, you know, I just didn't let, I didn't, I just went for it. I just really went for it.
0: Well, you're certainly you're downplaying it because out of uh, men, women, whoever, uh, your signs are, are, you know, take over the leasing space in Kelowna and are in in so many places. So you've done a heck of a job, you know, building a great reputation, a brand for yourself, and uh, you don't do that by not doing great work. So you know, I I congratulate you uh, on that, and I'd love to know sort of like how you. How you hack your day, so like your typical day looks like what or is it typical to get the results out of it being you know in the real estate business is not an easy business it's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, triage and you know it can be adversarial at times and and you know negotiating or maybe conflict, and so that's stressful. so how do you set your day up? To, to take control of it? Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. And truthfully, that's something that I'm actively working on right now. And I have a lot of, um, you know, I, I have weaknesses and I have strengths Um, mornings are not exactly a natural strength for me. (laughs) So I'm not a natural 5am club member. Um, But I've been trying to, um, you know, I've been trying to work on that. And one thing that I think we're all probably struggling with a little bit these days is getting caught up in your phone first thing in the morning. So I've been trying to pop out of bed and avoid spending too much time getting laced into all of the noise on my phone and grab my Uh, dog and go for a quick walk around the block. And I'm not doing that every single day, but I notice the days that I do, I feel a difference. And then from there, um, you know, I, like I said, I'm in the process of really trying to hone in on my strengths and where I'm really strong is, is, is talking to people and making deals. So the more that I can offload the administration, the more that I can offload the necessary follow-up to progress your pipeline um, the more I can gatekeep as it relates to people looking for my time and attention and with questions uh, that our operations manager can answer, working with her to create an efficient process in that regard. And I think one of the things that being in a high volume business, because leasing does tend to be more high volume than mm-hmm. sales, like at any given time, I'll have you know anywhere from 30 to 45 listings, I think at some points I've even had more than that and working on, you know, 10 to 30 deals at once. Um, I know I've fallen short as far as, um, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but service and, you know, getting back to people uh, same day, that sort of thing. So really refining processes to make sure that we can keep our level of service up. Um, I don't have an issue wrestling the deals once they're on my desk. That's my favorite part about the business. So the mm-hmm. more I can do that, and the less I can deal with anything else, the better.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, you know a you know stimulating industry. I would say is, uh, and I've seen you in action on uh, on deals for myself. So that's uh, yeah, I, I really respect what you guys do, and uh, f- you know uh, life being balanced is uh, is the famous words right now but how do you how do you balance again when you made you know I keep I come back to the boat decision cuz it's it's common for everyone that the boat could be substituted for RV or whatever but how do you manage your own sort of approach to what you think you're being responsible for for the future is it you know uh you know is it real estate? do you like to 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 focus on real estate? do you like to focus on your income? do you like to focus you know where where is sort of your okay, I'm going to take this leap and uh, do something maybe that I thought i I couldn't achieve in a, in the sense of spending or upgrading a house or you know because you know that you're making a a good action somewhere else. does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So hunger versus happiness and um sort of saving versus having fun. Is that a fair yeah,
0: assessment that, that, of what yeah, the, the gist of sort of like uh, you know, is that something you scientifically think about or no, it's you know what, I just uh I'm living for now and I'm gonna keep building my brand and that's sort of my my being responsible for the future. It's you know other yeah. people would it save every month or they invest, or they buy a rental house, you know, that's you know, a different approach?
1: I I save pretty much all my money with the exception of where I deem it to be um, really fulfilling and important to spend it. So um, I honestly don't spend that much. Like those people that know me personally would attest to that. Um, I I love... um, So... To answer your question, my, my mantra is always to be growing as far as my personal wealth. And I find it really exciting to see that build and, uh, I invest in the stock market. Um, so far I haven't bought commercial real estate, but that's next on the list. It's kind of funny to me, my position in the stock market currently, and considering the fact that I'm a commercial real estate agent, I don't own any of that, but to get into commercial real estate too, typically, um, it's higher pricing and more down payment and, you know, it's a bigger game, right? So it does take time, but always saving, always maxing out my RSPs, always maxing out my TFSAs. Um, and then as far as, bigger purchases, I wouldn't say it's been a science. I'd say that's been gut. I'd say
0: that's been heart. <laughs> Just follow your heart. So uh, I like this question for uh, for real estate professionals, because in the last year, if you could have bought a certain piece of real estate, never mind the, the money, or maybe let's put like a $2 million cap on the price. Okay. Uh, and I know you're, you're, you're in both sides of the equation, predominantly though in the leasing space. What what commercial real estate do you wish you would have bought? Like, was there... And I'm talking... like You don't have to mention the specific building or the deal or whatever it was, but paint us a picture of the parameters to and sort of break it down of how to quickly assess what a good deal might look like in commercial real estate.
1: Yeah, for sure. And just to clarify one thing, um, you're absolutely right that historically, my career has been predominantly leasing, but I am uh, mindfully... Uh, changing that. So awesome. working on more sales these days, I just had a $5.675 million deal go yes. for me today. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm <laughs> talking about before you started recording with buying the house in December and you know the abundance theory where you make big decisions. And I really do look back and I see a trend where I've taken what feels like a leap and then good things follow. And that's probably partly due to having a bit more of a fire lit inside which is something I really enjoy post um, splurging, if you will, is I find (laughs) it really kind of activates that fuel inside you and causes you to want to work harder. Um, Okay. So If I were to go back in time, like, first of all, $2 million can't get you a whole heck of a lot these days. (laughs) Um, But what I wish I would have done is um, industrial real estate right now is definitely a sexy asset. Um, That particular market has really taken off over the last five or so years. We've seen a vacancy rate uh, drop below 1%, meaning that less than 1% of the existing inventory is available for tenants. And the cool thing about industrial too, I mean you you're involved in office and retail, which can be a little more in the way of moving parts. Um, industrial tends to be um, generally a pretty basic analysis, a pretty basic assessment. You know what are the ceiling heights, what's the loading, what's the electrical? Um, you know, where is retail, you have location and is the tenant going to be successful and what's the signage and what's the exclusive covenants. And, you know, so I like the simplicity of industrial. And of course, I was just chatting with an industrial broker from Vancouver talking about complex distribution deals that they were working on. So it can go from simple to very complex and industrial right. too. But I just think long-term, I think that that asset cost is going to be the rock star. I've said that before, I'll say it again. Um, And I look at owners, um, I've got some clients who were lucky enough to purchase big pieces of industrially zoned land, and they're really laughing now. So it's cool to see that. Um, I also think some of the smaller buildings downtown, I know you're positioned downtown. uh, I just think downtown Kelowna is really going to continue to thrive. I'm so excited to see what it's going to look like in five years when all these high-rises are activated and then as far as, um, you know, what makes a good asset, uh, I'd say there's sort of two ways uh, that we tend to look at it most often is like potential redevelopment uh, value. So upside as it relates to, you know, maybe what's existing today is not highest best use um, and someone could scoop the building and, uh, you know, create upside by future development or cap rate, which is basically just your return on investment uh, using a percentage formula.
0: Oh, man, there's so many places I could go. Um, <laughs> so uh, only because we're talking about it, and I, I promised uh, listeners that I, I never will get into the, the deep weeds of, uh, of jargon. But yep. let's, let's do a quick valuation using a cap rate. Okay. Uh, so easy numbers, a person comes across a building, the building, uh, rents for a hundred thousand a year. Okay. Yeah. And the expenses are 20,000.
1: Okay. So if this is a commercial asset, we're going to have base rent and triple net, right?
0: I know, but could we, could we just simply, so right. Keeping it simple. Keep it simple. So so 100,000 gross revenue minus 20,000 of expenses, and your expenses are property tax, insurance, utilities. Yeah. Okay. So that leaves 80,000 left. Okay. And your cap rate is, I want you to describe cap rate in like two sentences.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so if you're buying a property, it's a function of uh, income versus purchase price. So if a cap rate is 5%, it means the return on your purchase price using the income as part of that formula is 5% relative to what you bought it for.
0: Right. So if we're going to look for a cap rate, and that's a way to, uh, you know, if you're looking at similar assets, and you apply the same cap rate
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, against revenue minus expenses equals net operating income. Yeah. So let's use a cap rate if you have a calculator handy. So 80000 a year yeah. net divided by a 5% cap rate.
1: $1.6 million.
0: So that's roughly what a buyer can figure out a rough value.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the cap rate is going to be the net operating income divided by the property value, the purchase price, essentially.
0: Okay. So I I love that. I've always wanted to to just bring that up because I often get clients will say, I want to buy some commercial real estate. Usually I'll say, go talk to a professional. Uh, But like most real estate, a lot of it is fairly accessible that people can look, you know, not, I wouldn't say the really good deals aren't, aren't, but most of the deals, like MLS, you know, just like a uh, rental house, they want to look at them and they want to roughly figure it out, yeah, and then bring you a short list. So I'm happy we we did that. Um,
1: yeah, and just one thing to add to that, without going too far into the weeds, is that uh, sophisticated buyers for will also adjust the NOI by one step further. So you subtract your triple net or operating expenses from your gross income to arrive at your net income. Uh, But then typically the banks are also going to want to consider contingencies. So they're going to want to do a further adjustment to the NOI to account for future vacancy, as well as unrecoverable expenses. So typically, like if the HVAC unit needs to get replaced, um, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways it can be structured in a lease, but oftentimes capital capital replacements are the responsibility of the landlord. So you can further tune that NOI to account for those contingencies.
0: Yeah, so that that would bring in that scenario we talked about, that would bring the value down further, correct?
1: Yes, correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but then if you know if it's a more strategic buy, like you said, it's a you know a 1980s warehouse positioned in a not opportune side of the lot. You know, if you said, "Oh, if we knock that thing down and built, you know, three more units on top of the units that are already there, or you know, restructure it," then you would increase that value or the perceived. You might be able to go a little bit higher in your price and still yeah. come away making a return.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, then another good example of that that we're seeing a lot of right now. Is downtown in particular, um, or the mission for that matter, if there's a site that can accommodate redevelopment, uh, there's such a trend towards density in Kelowna right now. So if you have a site where you can build a concrete tower, then the cap rate analysis can often get tossed because the valuation of the property is so much higher using that redevelopment function. And that all comes down to a buildable uh, per square foot analysis. So, yeah, buildable per
0: square foot. Okay, that could be a whole new uh, whole new podcast we could do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a mini pod at some point. Uh, what What would be the top two things that a person, you know, going to negotiate a lease? So you're working with someone who needs, they have a business, they want to maybe get a bigger space and they want to lease a space. Um, what are the, What's it like a key... So I wrote down the two things a person who's going to negotiate a new lease should consider outside of all the numbers and things. But is there any one thing that you see a lot of new people, new lease ease yep. making a mistake or they should have, they should have considered or, or not?
1: Uh, yeah, so I'd say the list uh, is longer than two for sure. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I mean, I had to learn this just through experience, and just because I am a you know broker now, it doesn't mean that it was easy right from the get go. So just being involved in literally hundreds of transactions, um, and it depends on the asset class. It's there's a lot of depends. Um, So, you know, retail, office, industrial, those are the main asset classes if you're looking at longer-term commercial leasing. And the checklist is a bit different for each one. Um, But I mean, one really obvious one, well, it depends on your strategy too. So, um, you know, as you know, if you're looking to negotiate a lease, there's a lot more to it than just the price. So oftentimes, even a bigger, um, like, Financial consideration is how much is it going to cost me to take this space, uh, as far as what it is today, to what I need it to be, and that can be hundreds of thousands of dollars, even millions of dollars. I just did a restaurant deal downtown, and the tenant improvement package is uh, seven figures. So okay. that's a really important consideration. And who's going to pay for that? What? How is the landlord going to contribute to that? Is the landlord going to give me cash? Is the landlord going to give me free rent? Is the landlord going to do some work? And oftentimes it's a combination of all of those things. And then, um, you know, in situations where you're investing a lot into the property, certain things that people that are new to leasing might not think about is making sure that you have options to renew, making sure that you have rights to that property beyond your initial term to protect your investment into somebody else's building.
0: Okay. And then on the flip side, uh, you know, two things that a person offering a new lease should consider when taking on a tenant. The flip side of, mm. of what you just answered, you know, the two key things on the other side. So I'm trying to if listeners are on either side of the fence, at least they kind of get a, a nugget of of what to watch out for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say for the landlord, typically it comes down to the net effect of rent. So they take the amount of rent that they're collecting over the secured term. And what are their costs and what's left for them at the end of the day? What's the return? And then second to that, um, something that I actually spend a lot of time working through and something I don't love negotiating because I find typically the parties tend to sit at opposite ends of the spectrum, Uh, but that's the financial covenant behind the deal. So how strong is this tenant? What are their financials look like? Are they going to personally guarantee? What's the deposit? Like, what's my security in the event? that this for some reason goes sideways and always, well, not always, but a lot of times you would have lawyers telling the tenant, you know, absolutely no chance. in how are you going to personally guarantee that lease? And your brand new corporate covenant should be enough. And then the landlord's like brand new corporation. Like, how does that help me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are, those are great things. I assume when you uh, did the, the, uh, the famous innovation center in Kelowna, uh, that lease, uh, you know, getting it to a hundred percent leased—that wasn't a cakewalk, was it?
1: No, that was actually a really interesting one, and you know, kudos to the folks that developed that property. I think they really spotted um, uh, an emerging market in Kelowna, being the tech, the tech scene. And uh, the, at the time that the Innovation Center was being developed, the office market had a 14% vacancy rate. Wow. So that's substantial. And then at the same time, uh, Landmark, our core office, kind of, I guess, the closest thing we have to a so suburban Office Park. Yeah. Um, you know, they had Landmark 6 that was completing, which was a couple hundred thousand feet. But yeah, getting the Innovation Center released, I mean, it, it was definitely that building had a very specific special intent. And I think that they captured a lot of demand because of that, very specific to innovation and tech. And then we were, um, the last deal that we worked on in that property, uh, that was, uh, the building's about 105,000 feet. And the last deal was a 22,000 foot deal. I think it took a couple of years off my life working on that one. Yeah. But the, <laughs> that's the Spaces uh, co-working facility. Okay, um, but, It was really awesome to get that deal done because having worked on the property uh, for a few years at that point in time, I was very bought into the intent and it was an ecosystem. Technology often is referred to as an ecosystem where you have Accelerate Okanagan, which is the incubator, and then Spaces, which was the 22,000 square foot deal that allowed for that second level of the ecosystem where a tenant might not be ready to sign a five or 10 year lease, but they need somewhere to have a private office outside of the incubator so we were really excited about that.
0: What do you think? what's uh, again? Uh, you've been around for a while in this business, but what was, what was one of the big the big learning lessons you had uh, out of that project?
1: Um, I mean, that one uh, the the spaces deal, the co working deal, did get a little bit contentious at the end there because it was a large like spaces, which is a uh, associated with Regis and they're under a bigger corporate umbrella. They're like the second or third largest office occupier in the world. So very large, very corporate and very slow. Um, so just strategy as far as getting them to execute on the deal. And I think just patience, you know, like at the same time as you want to employ strategy, um, oftentimes in these big projects that like, you really do need to be patient.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that. <laughs> that could be like that that sums up uh and again you know about um uh, you know a little bit about my real estate portfolio and I I do have uh a little warehouse in in West Kelowna where again you have a 5 year lease you know we got a 1 year lease and then we had a 5 year lease signed right away no interruptions uh in ownership and yet uh I have an office building with a retail space under it that's been vacant for 2 years so yeah. as much as I say to clients that you know you you know, you, you, commercial real estate is super sexy and it's a business and you can sign a five-year lease. It's sexy until it's vacant for more than, I'll say, a year. Uh, and you have to be very aware and a very, you know, I don't know what the f- you know, formula has to be for... And every business, might, every building might be different for a contingency. If you think you're going to be collecting rent, and you think, Oh, wow, I've got three months of negative cash flow in the bank. I'm totally fine. Uh, you know, it, if it turns, uh, you need to be ready to to ride that out for said period of time. And uh, again, but when things are rented, it's uh, it's a pretty seamless thing. And, uh, you know, again, with prices where they are, I, I think Kelowna s- continues to expand. And uh, the rents, uh, I know down in the industrial park, sort of uh, Tilly Road, Hiram Walker, uh, things yep. are going up and selling out. You know almost right away those 1800 square foot industrial bays uh, seem to be uh, what everyone's you know after so you, you uh, again, I, I parked the thought because uh, I wanted to get into a bit of that commercial stuff, but you are a student of the universe and energy and the uh, abundance mindset which you already you, you already mentioned now have you read any good books? lately on that topic or is this uh just a passion of yours that you study in other ways
1: well I think it's a focus of mine because it has to be because I have to practice it I have to talk about it I have to work at it because I don't just naturally come by abundance and uh, that's not a oh whoa well, me it's just it's just hardwiring and that's a conversation for another day, but, um, yeah, you know, I think, um, focusing on gratitude, focusing on, um, you know, what's going right, focusing on all the things, you know, it's trying to shift your mindset from what could go wrong to what could go right. And, uh, you know, as far as good books, um, I, I read, I've read most of the book, think like a monk and that's by Jay Shetty, um, he uh he was a monk, and he talks a lot about mindfulness and routine and happiness and um, Dharma, which is uh is a is a word that the Buddhists use, but that was a really good book, and just trying to train your mind too to go more positive when it's really easy to go negative.
0: Yeah, I think you know, the line I say to people is uh you know a lot a lot more could happen than it's actually going to happen. Mm -hmm. and uh, you don't always have to believe your thoughts.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness, is that ever the truth? Yeah, I just spent the month of February. I stressed more than I think I've ever stressed in my life about this one bigger deal that I've been working on. And, you know, I think it's a blessing and a curse. Um, I'm uh, trying to mitigate the amount of anxiety that I experience because I know I have a tendency to overthink things. But at the same time, I think that tendency... Also drives me to learn, it drives me to grow, it drives me to be better um, as long as it's as long as you can tame the beast because I think if it gets ahead of you, then it can actually affect your performance in a negative way if you're getting in your own way. so I try and use it as fuel without letting it trip me up too much if that makes sense
0: no well I think you're you're bang on, and I wouldn't you know ridicule again uh, an overthinking but It's when the the strategy and and logical sort of path of decision-making turns into what I call a thought attack. Right. Where it just sort of spirals and, you know, next thing you know, you've leapfrogged from, you know, X location to, you know, X plus six location. We're not even near what we were debating about uh, at the start. So, uh, and and when you deal with money, uh, it's, it's, it's real. And, Again, we, you know, the, the, I can't remember what the bias is called. You know, in a course that I studied, it it was, there's, there's all these cognitive biases that we all hold. And uh, it might be anchoring, but I might be screwing that up, where you almost lock on to something and, and you, you kind of just ruminate in that in your own thought and it becomes more and more right. Mm. And it's quite hard, you know, even if you ask someone for their opinion, hey, what do you think? It's just kind of like you're you're teasing yourself that you're kind of interested in their perspective, but you don't really give a shit because it's you've already you know made it. So you know, being open-minded, being uh, you know kind of open to the world in the early stages of thought is important because uh, you know you you need to take those those inputs in before they get hardwired into into your your program. so,
1: Totally. And I think a big thing too is, you know, what can I control? Like what can I actually control right now? And then when things aren't going uh, the right way and there are things that maybe you've done that have created an outcome that is less than ideal. um, And I struggle more when that outcome is my client's outcome than my own. um, But is, you know, correcting it in the best way you can. Um, You know, we're all human. None of us are perfect and uh, learning from it and committing to that and um, taking steps forward, you know, and just keep on moving. And I like the thought attack comment though, because thought attacks can be very real and very (laughs) overwhelming.
0: (laughs) Well, and it's, uh, you know, a a panic attack is much different. A thought attack is where, you know, a thought attack can last for uh, a couple of days where a week where it's you just can't quite shed uh, that thing, and, and you know, you're in sales, I'm in sales, and so you, you know that there's sort of a, a peaks and valleys. So you know, you, you, that's something that, that I would be honest and say we, it's not so much a thought attack, but you've got to manage your mind. You've mm-hmm. got to manage uh, your mind to the point where uh, you just sort of see through and you know, know or believe, or ho- however you have to you know call up to. Uh, that you know what I'm just going to keep going again I I love doing podcasts this is you know sort of a creative art and expression that you know is less about sort of the you know I'm not going out trying to cold call for deals right now I'm trying to create something Mm -hmm. and you know that for me is a huge relief and an ability, you know, that I'm grateful for that I have an extra hour to sit down and, and sort of brainstorm with you on topics that you know are very real to, to lots of people and especially successful people. You mentioned at the start of the podcast where you know we've all got old beliefs and gristle. And I I'm, I'm going to get you with a question here in a second, but we've all got this sort of old stuff laying around in our heads that we believe to be the sort of the path and that doesn't necessarily, you know, mean that it has to be the path. You know, there mm-hmm. could be new inputs that are brought into the situation that, you know, before weren't present. So, if, if you think back sort of, you know, if you've been in the business 10 years, is that what you said? Nine years? Uh,
1: 12 now.
0: 12. So, yeah. you know, three years into the business, you envision sort of your, your trajectory of where you kind of want to go are you there? Has your mind changed? Has your, you know, you already mentioned before, like sacrifice all the ships and, you know, just sacrifice everything for work. I I got that impression that that has changed a little bit for you. But where 10 years ago to now, or nine years ago to now, have you evolved mentally around what it means to be successful?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, I feel like I'm getting real with you and being really authentic. So I hope that doesn't end up biting me in the ass. But, um, I, uh, you know, a lot has changed since that time. And I look at myself, you know, Megan getting three years into the business and I felt like I had nothing to lose. And that was a really, uh, that, uh, you know, it, I almost feel like those days were easier. I feel like I just had this nothing to lose mentality. I was just going after it. I mean, I was working more longer hours than I am now today um, because I've got better systems and processes and a team and blah, blah, blah. Um, But now um, I didn't expect to be where I am. I didn't expect to have the lifestyle and I didn't expect to have the freedom to do the things that I do today. And uh, it's almost like a bit of imposter syndrome has hit. And so now it's managing that and, you know, letting yourself uh, settle in to be deserving of that and flow with that and, you know, not getting too caught up in feeling like all of a sudden you've got a whole heck of a lot to lose because that can actually be kind of scary too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been um, managing that, but I think it's also a leveling up and I think it's a natural progression and, you know, being 12 years into the business, I've got relationships, I've got skills, I've got experience. So I'm just involved in things where there is naturally quite a bit more on the line. And, uh, with that comes a level of responsibility that must be taken seriously. And, uh, you know, with a lot of care and and focus and attention and, uh, not taking it for granted.
0: Yeah, well again, so many places we could go. Um, but I think we save that for, for another whole we could almost do a whole podcast on uh my mindset and uh and hacks about that. So Meg, I, I really enjoyed the chat and uh you know, is there is there any sort of parting things to say? You know, the question that I like to ask everyone is, you know, what is your ultimate picture of wealth?
1: Uh, Well, I think with all the things we just chatted about and kind of going through that evolution and settling into actually accepting that, okay, you know, maybe you are by some definition successful now and uh, giving yourself the grace to celebrate that and uh, really be with that. And um, then, you know, for me, I think just continuing to make decisions that support a lifestyle that is fun, a lifestyle that is good for my mental health. And, you know, one where I can also, um, one thing that we've loved so much about the boat is that we're able to do those things with other people and have our friends with us and, you know, take that celebration to a group level. Obviously these days, a small group, we couldn't really call it a group, but you know what I mean? Um, So yeah, I think just finding mindfulness, finding um, peace and owning the day. You know, because ultimately we have this grand vision of success, and it's something to be fiercely uh, pursued. And one day you'll obtain it, but success is actually today. So figuring that out.
0: Well, it's a it's a journey that we're all. So uh, again, for most successful people, you set goals, and you just keep moving the horizon further and further back every time you achieve a goal. You never really get to sit and enjoy it. And, uh, it's really more about the journey to get there than actually getting there. Totally. Uh, um, I think
1: we live in a society that really, uh, plays tricks on us too. And, you know, I think there's a lot of chatter about, um, you know, again, hustle culture and everyone's really caught up in this futuristic definition, definition of success. But, uh, yeah, mindfulness is important to combat that.
0: All right, Meg. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Thanks.
0: If you found this episode valuable, share it with a friend. If you found this episode super valuable, leave us a review on iTunes. It will help us continue to bring you top quality content. For more information on anything discussed on this show, visit www.servicewealth.com. That's service spelled S-E-R-V-I-S-S any investment topics covered on the show are not investment recommendations and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions this show was produced by podigy podcast thanks for listening